Good evening. It's good to see you tonight. Thankful you've chosen to be with us here at Midway. Uh, as most of you know, hopefully all of us know, as soon as we finish here, we'll be letting our young folks go outside and they'll be going from trunk to trunk and hopefully getting some treats as they go along the way. Now, I don't know who has the more fun doing that, the young folks who get to go from trunk to trunk and get the candy, or the people who are getting the candy, or giving the candy away, rather, or the parents who get to go home and go through the candy to make sure it's okay for the kids to eat, you know, and pick out, well, I'm not going to tell the kids that, that, that the parents sometimes pick out some of the best stuff. We are glad that you're here tonight, so thankful that you've chosen to be with us for our service, and then hopefully you'll stay not only for the trunk or treat, but then uh, after that have uh, some uh, snacks with us downstairs and, and enjoy some time together. You can't help but notice this time of year that, that it's Halloween, and as you look around and you begin to see the decorations that people have in their Yards, you know, it used to be that folks would, would decorate pretty much for Christmas and that would be it. When I was growing up, you know, you didn't see lights in yards until it came Christmas time. But now you see lights in yards for Halloween and different things. But, but you can't help but see there and in stores and other places all kinds of things that are related to Halloween or that people relate to Halloween. You see, folks will, will look and they'll see the witches that have the, the black <coughs> suits on, the black hat on, and, and they'll see devil masks, and they'll see all kinds of things that, that sometimes people associate with Halloween. And, and whenever you see those things, you know it's that time of year again. Now, I don't want to be a killjoy of any kind tonight. I'm not one to say that we shouldn't go trick-or-treating. You know, that would be a bad night to be saying that, wouldn't it? Since we're going trunk-or-treating, but... But there are some things that, that I think we probably need to talk about every once in a while to remind, refresh our minds in regard to, uh, to some things. You know, a long time ago, the Apostle Paul, as he was passing through a certain town, he, he noticed that, that there were a lot of different altars and a lot of different monuments that were set up for all kinds of pagan gods and deities. And he said, as he begins to talk to the people, I, I noticed that as I was coming in. And, and I also noticed that, that there was one that was set up in regard to a god that maybe we've left one out that, that people don't know to the unknown god. And so Paul began a sermon, and he preached that famous sermon that we read in the book of Acts that's known as the Sermon on Mars Hill. And tonight, you know, as we look around, we see the things that are going on around us. We sort of do that same kind of thing so that, so that we would be uh, mindful of the things that God wants us to do. Now, having said that, how many, how many recognize that in our nation, in the United States of America, that there is a... A, a, a religion that's referred to now simply as paganism, and we use that term loosely, but, but there is an actual pagan religion, and it encompasses witchcraft and other things. And I was reading just a little bit out of a book. Uh, it's entitled, it was published in 2015. It was published, What It's Really Like to Be a Witch in America. And statistics that he gave in his book 
said this, there are about 1.2 million practicing pagan witches in the United States of America. 1.2 million practicing pagan witches, quote-unquote, in the United States of America. Now, to put that in context, for those of us who are members of the Lord's Church, Churches of Christ, there are about 1.2 million members of the Churches of Christ throughout the United States as well. And so there are as many, according to, to the book, that has been written in regard to witchcraft and so forth. Uh, and by the way, it was not a man who was against it. It was a man who was in favor of it. But he said, <clears throat> basically, that there are as many who practice that religion as there are who practice New Testament Christianity in the United States of America. And so that should, that should say something to us. It should say that we need to at least consider what's going on. Our society is, is moving away from God. We don't have to say that very, very much to know that it's, uh, uh, that it's true. We, we can see all kinds of signs and, uh, you know, in the news and, and different things that people have a less regard for God. But tonight, let's, let's deal with some things that, that, again, should at least come to our mind every once in a while. You know, when we start talking about the idea of witchcraft and we start talking about what is described in that book, what it's like to be a witch and what it's really like to be a witch in America, uh, one of the things that words that keeps coming up over and over again is the word the occult, O-C-C-U-L-T. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked that word occult up, but it's interesting to look it up. If you haven't looked that word up, that word literally means hidden. It has to do with the idea of hidden knowledge that someone would have. Now the purpose behind the hidden knowledge is so that you will have power over another. When you can find that hidden knowledge, then you have power over another human being in some way. And so we have that term or that idea that's associated with it, with witchcraft when they know how to practice and perform their magical arts and all of those kinds of things, you have power over another person. Now, having said that, I want you to think about some things that, that we may not put together. When we're talking about witchcraft and paganism in general, we really need to go back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, don't we, in order to get an origin of, of things that are associated with that. Do you remember when Satan comes to Eve there in the Garden of Eden, the statements that are made, the discussion that is had between the two of them, do you remember how it is that, that Satan entices Eve to partake of the fruit that God had forbidden? He said, if you eat of this fruit, God knows that you are going, and I'm paraphrasing here, you're going to be as smart as he is. You're going to have the same knowledge that he has. And if you have the same knowledge that he has, what are you going to have? You're going to have the power over God. You're going to have the power to be able to do what you want to do. You won't have to listen to him anymore. And so we have the origin of 
what we might call the occult, even back in the book of Genesis chapter 3. The knowledge that Eve gained by eating of the forbidden fruit, uh, she could use to exercise power not over a bunch of human beings, there weren't a whole bunch of human beings, but she could have power to exercise over the God of heaven. Now when they ate and their eyes were opened, I can't imagine for certain how they must have felt. And especially when God came walking in the garden that that particular day and, and how they must have hidden themselves, they did have some knowledge that they had not did not have prior to that. But it was not knowledge that they could truly use over and against God. But people are still seeking to, to have the hidden knowledge of different things and have power over others. If you were to look at the term occult and occultism, you can see that there are many divisions of occultism. And I don't want to spend a lot of time dealing with each one individually tonight, but, but let, me just, uh, let me just throw some out at you. And, and these are self-identified. They're not things that we would, you know, just some preacher has come up with. But these things are self-identified when you begin digging into the topic. You have such things as Satanism and the Church of Satan that has been established by Anton LaVey in San Francisco, the first church of Satan. You have witchcraft itself. You have demonology and magic and black magic and modern day prophecies and you have fortune telling and numerology and graphology and spiritualism and, and all kinds of things. And we could go on even to voodoo and yoga, you know, not the exercise things that folks do, but the, the true religion that the yogis and the yogas from the Indians and the Tibetans, they, uh, they themselves uh, speak about being able to transfer themselves from uh, the, the body, get the spirit out of the body to some distant place and things of, of that nature. And you even have secret societies of, of different sorts uh, uh, that we could talk about. But, but you can see that it's varied in nature. But having said all of that tonight, what does the Bible have to say in regard to some of these things? And, and perhaps you've looked at some of the verses that we are about to mention, but, but I want you to think about them in the context of our discussion tonight. For example, when we think about the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 29, verse number 29, a passage that I used this afternoon in, in the lesson that we presented, the funeral sermon that we presented, it's that passage which speaks about the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God gave the children of Israel the information that they needed, and God has supplemented that and given us more information that we need. But there are indeed some secret or hidden things that God has chosen not to reveal. And notice the language that is used there. We sometimes use it from the standpoint of, you know, there are certain things that we just don't understand here, and it applies in that realm as well. 
But there are certain things that are hidden or secret things that literally belong only to God. We wouldn't have the, the ability, the power uh, to comprehend many of the things that God himself knows. Not in our physical state, not in our mortal bodies. The things that are secret in some sense belong to God. You know, I don't understand how Jesus was able to walk on the water. I don't understand how he could do that. I believe he did. But he had the power of God to be able to do that. I don't know how he could pass through a door that is shut without it being opened. A door that is shut and locked. But he did. And I believe that he did that. And there are numerous miraculous things that he is able to do. I don't know how he could, in the middle of a storm, say, peace, be still, and the weather settle down and be as peaceful as it is right now. I don't know how. And God did not choose to allow us to know that. The secret things belong to God. And so this matter of occultism, having some kind of, of, uh, of knowledge so that we can have power, uh, there are some things that, we just don't, that don't belong to us, that, that are not in the realm of the human that we are to have. And so Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, has a uh, bearing on what we're talking about tonight. But then there are some that are more explicit in nature when we begin talking about magic and things of, of that nature. Notice in the book of Exodus chapter 22 at verse eight, number 18 what God says. He says, very short verse, You shall not permit a sorceress to live. They were to be put to death. Someone who sought to practice what we might term the black magic and things of that nature, they were to be put to death under the Old Testament law. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 26, the Bible says, You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. Now that could apply in a lot of different areas in which we find the occultism today, even to the, to the thing that sometimes we, we deal with in movies and things of that nature, such as vampires partaking of the blood. But again, specifically, he speaks about the interpreting omens or telling fortunes. How many people who are, you know, who, who, who do not believe in, in magical arts or things of that nature will say about something that happens, that must have been an omen for me. God says, you don't play with those things. They are not within your realm. And then in verse 31 of that same chapter, Leviticus chapter 19, he says, do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out. And so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Now there's one word there that's a big long word that, that you might not understand, a necromancer. And what is a necromancer? A necromancer is somebody who seeks to speak to the dead, to conjure up a spirit from the dead. God said, don't do that. You remember there was one witch 
the, called the witch of Endor, who Saul went to her and she said, I can't do that because I'd be put to death by the king. Now, it was the king in disguise, and, and she sought to call up Samuel so that she could get some information for Saul. And when Samuel did show up on the scene that time, like to scared her to death. She was utterly amazed that it worked on that occasion. And so, you know, we have that. God said, don't seek them out. Well, there are other passages of Scripture in the Old Testament, but turn to the New Testament, book of Galatians, chapter 5. Verses 19 through 21, the Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. And if you're reading along with me, the next one is sorcery. Sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, so forth and so on. God says these are the things that, that folks who don't act Christian, these are the things that folks who, who are against God, who, who don't act like God, that's the kind of things that they do. What about Revelation 21, verse number 8? The Bible says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You see, it's not something to play with. It's not something that, is, that God takes lightly. What about Revelation 22, verses 14 and 15? Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Those who would be Christians, those who would wash their robes, they put away these things. Those who are on the outside, those who are not Christians, they practice things such as sorcery, magic, and things of that nature. And so, when we look at the Bible, what it has to say is not very flattering in regard to the pagan occults. As a matter of fact, it points out that those who practice such things are endangering their soul. But now, one other passage or one other thought, we'll look at a couple of passages in regard to that. But I want you to think about what is said in the book of Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to a place called Ephesus to preach. When we, when we look at the church in Ephesus, we know later that there will be a a letter that's written to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. But notice in the book of Acts chapter 19, when these people who would become Christians in Ephesus, notice what happens in that particular city. The Bible says, beginning in verse 18 of Acts chapter 19, also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it 
uh, came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Did you notice that within the city of Ephesus there were those who practiced the magical arts? There must have been a bunch of folks who practiced the magical arts. They even had their spell books, we might call them, that they used to practice the, 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 the magical arts. And they were converted to Christianity. And what did they do? Well, they took their books and they piled them up and they burned them so that they would not be tempted to go back and to do the things that they formerly had done. So much so that when they totaled it up, when they valued the number of books, 50,000 pieces of silver. And I wish I had gone back and recounted this for tonight, but I didn't. There, on one occasion when I was studying through the book of Acts, and I believe I even presented it in here, here at Midway, I counted it up to see, to, to try to look at the value between that 50,000 pieces of silver, what it was, would be valued at then and what it would be valued at now. And I don't remember off the top of my head, and I didn't look it up this time, and I wish I had. But it was unbelievable how much the value of those books literally was. Those people got rid of that. Now remember, the idea of the occult, the, the magic arts and things of that nature, has to do with hidden knowledge. With hidden knowledge. That's what the word itself means. Now why is that important? Well, it's important when we go to the book of Ephesians. You see, God replaced the knowledge that they thought they needed in those books with something that they really needed, some knowledge that they truly needed. And notice the language that the Apostle Paul used that those folks in Ephesus would have grabbed hold of and known exactly what he's talking about. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 9. When he's speaking about the gospel, he says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. Notice the word that he uses for the gospel. It's the idea of something that at one time had been hidden, but now has been revealed. You see, Paul makes it clear that it's not the man-made things or, or conjured up knowledge that somebody needs that that really affects their soul and their eternity. It's that New Testament. It's the will of God that previously had, been, had not been revealed. The folks in the Old Testament didn't know everything that God demands of us today. But now it has been revealed. Look again at the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Beginning in verse 4, the Bible says, going down through verse number 6, speaking about the letter that he had written to the Ephesians, he says, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now 
been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Drop on down to verse number 9. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might, be, uh, might now be made known to the rulers and authority in heavenly places. You see, it wasn't some kind of spell It wasn't some kind of hidden knowledge that somebody was able just to uncover so that they would have power over another that really counted for people. It's that knowledge that God himself would deliver to us through the apostles and inspired men that would save the souls of the Jewish people, that would save the souls of the Gentile people, that would save our souls. And he says, I entrust that knowledge to the church. And the church has the responsibility of disseminating that knowledge throughout the world, of teaching the New Testament gospel throughout the world to every creature who is willing to listen so that they might hear it and believe it, and repent of their sins, and make the great confession, and be baptized, and be saved. How much more wonderful is it to have that knowledge than to have some kind of fake knowledge that people can conjure up, or imagine, or or try to pass off as something special today? You know, I've been to quote-unquote magic shows where the magicians, they'll make you believe that they could pull a rabbit out of a hat. Now, I don't know that that's common anymore, pulling rabbits out of hats, but they, they do all kinds of things. They make things disappear, and make them reappear. Y'all do realize that's all fake, don't you? They didn't really make the person get in a box and then saw them in half. They didn't really do that. But they sure make it look good, don't they? They make it look interesting. It makes you say, how did they do that? You know, at the end of time, at the end of my life here on this earth, if I knew every magic trick there was, it wouldn't get me any closer to heaven. But the knowledge that God has revealed in the gospel will not only get me to the gate, but it will get me inside the Father's house for eternity. And that's the knowledge that I really want to have and I want to share with everyone who I can possibly share that with. It's the responsibility of the Lord's church to be passing along that knowledge. You know... Today, we'd want to shun the things that are not right, that take the rightful place of true Christian living, that take the place of God. And we'd want to help folks to understand that. And we'd want to shun those things that, that 
even tempted the, the first mother of the living, Eve, to have knowledge and power and prerogatives that belong only to God. But never, ever quit desiring and disseminating, preaching and teaching that message that was hidden for so long that God in His infinite wisdom and knowledge had planned somewhere in eternity and made known during the days of the apostles on the earth and preserved in this book and directed you and me to learn it, to study it, to obey it, and to share it. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. Tonight, we're not talking about not trick-or-treating and things of that nature. But we are talking about being careful with the things that we do and we, we, we promote and we share with those who are around us. We want folks to know Christ and Him crucified. Maybe you're here and you're not a child of God and you would like to obey the gospel of Christ. I mentioned just a moment ago some things that the Bible teaches us that we have to do in order to be saved, we of course must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. We know that not only do we have to believe in Jesus Christ, but repentance is necessary for unless we repent we will perish, Jesus said, Luke chapter 13 verse 3 and verse 5. Peter also said to those who asked what they needed to do after, having been preached, after Jesus had been preached to them, he said that they were to repent. And then confession is necessary according to the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, he speaks about how that with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And then not only that, but immersion, being buried with Jesus Christ, and having His blood wash our sins away is necessary. We call that baptism. Being immersed with Jesus, buried with Him, Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1. It may be tonight that you know that that's what you need to do. Then we encourage you to do it. Maybe you want to know more and learn more. We'd love to study with you about what we need to do in order to have that promise and that knowledge and that faithful inheritance offered to us by God. Maybe you're here tonight and you've done that in the past, but you haven't been living like it. And you need to come back to the Lord. If you need to respond to His invitation, it's always open, but if you need to respond, why don't you do it right now? As together we stand as